Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, praise the Lord. Um, this is our special gathering here with Brother Ron and uh, some of the other brothers. So this is for the saints 50 and older. I'm not sure how, how you want to carry the meeting, Brother Ron, but um, so, uh, you know, so if you want to do a question answer or Yeah, I'll, I'll explain. Okay, and what we do is we have two microphones. Brother <clears throat> Jimson has a microphone. I have one here. So what we will do is we will bring the microphone to you, you know, when, if you have a question. Yeah, Amen. okay. Amen. I want to give the mic to Brother Ron. Oh, he, <coughs> oh, you have it? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> we have about, um, about 83 minutes. I'll just give a very brief uh, opening word, eight or nine minutes. And I hope the rest of the time will be interactive based upon questions you may have or request for fellowship on a certain matter. And you may either write that down and pass it up any time between now and say about four o'clock, or as the brother indicated, it's okay just, just to ask. The, the questions are often in two categories. If they're questions of truth, then we can answer definitely according to what has been revealed in the word and what has been brought to us through the ministry. But questions related to experiences, to relationships, this is in the, the domain of fellowship. Yeah. And so I would make it clear, I'm not an expert on actually anything. <laughs> I'm simply a brother that got into this kind of meeting starting in Russia about 10 years ago. And it probably will go on for a while. And so the questions can be about anything, especially if they're written. But if I consider that it's not wise to respond to a question openly, mm -hmm. then I won't do that. That doesn't mean the question isn't honored. It's just it just may not be suitable to address certain matters, even if they're generic. Mm -hmm. uh, but we just see how the Lord will will lead us. I personally do not follow the ages mentioned in Numbers 8, just as I do not think we all need to shave all the hair off our body. That's also in Numbers 8. For the Levitical service, the men served between 30 and 50. They were trained between 25 and 30. After 50, they mainly cared for other serving ones. Uh, I cannot apply that and make it an age marker or anything like this, especially in any legal way. But the principle is there that at a certain stage, we're learning at another stage, we're serving. 
And then later, our serving may take another form as we mature and as our human life develops. So I just want to mention uh, two things in general. And I would hope uh, that we would exercise inwardly not to be subjective about anything that's asked or said. What I mean by subjective is when you turn inwardly and make an, an application to yourself apart from the Spirit's enlightening. Okay. When someone is, to me, middle age starts at about 40. You're not a young adult when you're 40. I'm not going to argue with you. I just won't regard you as a young adult, okay? But when you're 50, we're in so-called middle age. So certain things need to happen. If they don't happen, certain other things will happen as far as our being is concerned. And I'll mention these in just a moment. One of the most encouraging words of fellowship I ever heard directly from Brother Lee, spoken to a small group of brothers, was relayed to us in a context when he was very exercised in, in caring for a certain person. He really was caring for this person. And he told us what he told him. He said the most useful years are between 60 and 80. And then I was a little below 60, turning 50, was just downright painful. I warned the family, don't you dare do anything on this day. It is a sad and mournful day. <laughs> 40 was no problem. But I was looking forward to, wow, 60, life begins at 60, the most useful time. But then I'm glad that on another occasion he said, oh, the most useful time is when you're 80. <laughs> because what do you do when you're closer to 80 than to 60? That comfort zone evaporates. The point is, from God's view, it's the later years that are the most useful intrinsically for the carrying out of his interests. And I fully believe that this is contrary to our society, it's contrary to our culture. And, and that has governed me, and I try to implant that in others, that they would take this in with the element of faith that it contains. However, from another side, not that many saints between 50 and 80 actually advance very far into spiritual maturity. They become humanly mature because of life experience, because of age. And so that puts many in my point of view, as one serving them and loving them, 
in a challenging situation. That they're very advanced in middle age or even getting beyond middle age. Yet, they haven't matured. Okay, so here's the thing. This is what not to be subjective about. I used to think when I was my 20s and 30s, you just keep growing until you're old positively. But actually, aspects of our fallen being increase in us if they're not checked by the cross and by the increase of Christ. Okay? And Brother Lee devoted an entire training with dozens and dozens of messages, quite a rigorous training, limited to Southern California, not even sent to Texas, because he was concerned that our growth in life didn't match the years in our church life. And those messages published as perfecting training identify the inner factors. It's the self, disposition, and peculiarity. If we do not enter fully into the third stage of the experience of life and receive the shepherding necessary to guide us through, then we may lapse into a, a kind of predictable, formal, routine interaction with the Lord and the Word. But the third stage, as you see from the experience of life, is absolutely crucial to knowing the body, which is in the fourth stage. And in this third stage, we realize all the basic problems are inward. So there's a dealing with the flesh, the self, and the natural constitution. If we allow the Lord to gain these areas, then our being is wide open. And we'll just go from one level of maturity to another until we finish our course or our rapture. If we feel we haven't passed through that third stage, or if we know as a fact we haven't, then we have to come to the Lord where we are and present ourselves to him and say, Lord, <clears throat> shepherd me through this. Shepherd me through this. I personally believe <clears throat> the reason so many have not passed through this stage is because there hasn't been the adequate shepherding of those who have. And hardly anyone can make it through without shepherding, without supply, without encouragement, without a pattern. And so the main thing that should be happening in us from now until we finish our course is that Christ is truly increasing in us so that what happens in the natural aging process is the peculiarity intensifies, the disposition hardens, 
and the self becomes impenetrable. As long as someone is breathing, there is hope. The Lord can do a lot, I believe me, in a short period of time. I mean like in a month, in half a year, in a year. Especially when he ministers in the stage of intensification, not to burn us, but to intensify every aspect of his heavenly ministry. A lot can happen. So we have no reason to give up or to be discouraged. But our attitude toward the Lord just must be that we present ourselves to him with whatever light we have concerning God's economy that he work himself into us, that he grow in us, that he make his home in us, that he constitute us. Our pursuit of the Lord should be altogether positive. We leave to the Lord the things we need in our environment, the all things that work together for good, we leave that to him. You don't have to pray about the things. Mm. Then the other thing I would mention, and I draw upon Brother Lee's own testimony as he was nearing the end. It was in 1996, mm. in the crystallization study of John. I believe we know the extent of his work, I believe unprecedented since the apostles' time. In China, in Taiwan, in the US. And what he accomplished in his ministry, the life study of the scriptures, the highest peak of the divine revelation. But his own assessment was the most prevailing aspect of his ministry was one-on-one -on -one shepherding of others. One-on-one. Mm. -on -one. I believe that. He can't make a show of humility. He, he meant that. And I've <clears throat> I'm not trying to imitate him or anyone else outwardly. But I just like to walk in the same path, in the same steps, to move in the same direction. And I can sincerely say, I travel a lot, I speak a lot, but when it comes down to it, I feel the most precious and the most beneficial part of my service is being with saints one-on-one. -on -one. And that's something we can all do. <clears throat> I'm glad that the Lord left <clears throat> the whole operation <clears throat> to the ones he had, which were young adults. But it's the middle age that bear the weight of the responsibility yeah. in a society. It's never the young adults. When I had to have <clears throat> a significant uh, procedure that involved both radiation and surgery, 
I was consulted by uh, about a 27-year-old physician fellow, and he very much explained to me, but it was very clear to me, the one who's going to touch my body is a 57-year-old expert, okay? You're going to be like this, but you're not like this yet. And you're not messing with me right now, okay? This doesn't mean he may surpass his mentor. And so we have to realize that whatever level of function the younger ones are brought into, we're raising them up. The weight, the, the most crucial responsibilities are borne by our age group and up. And I believe the most precious function any of us can have is to shepherd others to the extent to which the Lord has shepherded us. That's a principle. If you have never walked through the valley of the shadow of death, you can help another sheep lie down in green pasture and be beside the waters of rest, walk, through the, walk on the paths of righteousness, experience some restoration of the soul, but you can't shepherd them any further. But the Lord shepherds you through, now you can shepherd others where you have gone. If you've never been on the battlefield, you can't shepherd others on the battlefield. But the Lord shepherds you on, and now you can help others. The goal is to dwell in the Father's house, the divine human incorporation, the building. If you've been built in, you can shepherd others. So it's pleasing to the Lord that along with our personal aspiration to mature in life, it's pleasing to the Lord that we would pray, Lord, lead me on that I may lead others on. Amen. So this is all I want to say. It's more than eight or nine minutes, but it's still relatively short. So I'm pausing now. And no papers have come up. So we just welcome requests, fellowship, realizing I respond in fellowship. So this should be received as fellowship. It's not an oracle from Mount Sinai. It's not an authoritative utterance. It's fellowship from your brother, okay? Amen. Amen. Otherwise, I'm not comfortable having such a meeting. If I don't know something, I'm not afraid to tell you, I don't know. I won't pretend with you. Okay. Now I'm going to be a Quaker and sit here until someone's expired. <laughs> in okay. Um, I, I, had a, uh, I, was serving, I was serving with the high schoolers uh, about four years ago. And uh, I picked up a burden to uh, send ministry materials to those that went on to college. And uh, I just got an email uh, from one of them, and I'd like to share it. Go ahead. Uh, it's been too long since I've last written to you. I graduate from a certain college. 
uh, on May 7th. Ever since the beginning, you've been diligent in sending me material every week, and I can't thank you enough for doing so. Your weekly greetings have been a continual reminder that I'm always in the thoughts and prayers of the body. This summer, I will be interning. He said where he'd be interning. <clears throat> and living at home and commuting to work. As for the fall, my current plan is to go to graduate school for electrical engineering. I'm not entirely sure where yet, though I'm still waiting on some acceptance and offer to come in. I'll be sure to keep you updated on my status. May God bless you as you have blessed me over the past four years, brother. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you, you do this. Uh, you do this, um, and I'm still doing it with some others, and you don't get a lot of response. And uh, you sometimes wonder if uh, this is a worthwhile pursuit. And uh, so I was just encouraged. I got this letter, the end, email the end of March from this brother. And it was, my natural thought was, you know, I'm getting too old to work with the young people. and. Uh, this sort of clears that up. And also, um, I, I still work with them, but maybe like once a month for a little bit each on a Lord's Day. And uh, I go into some things. We are into some ministry materials, then we're into some other things. And I was, my thought was that I was getting too old for this. And the Lord reminded me of, um, I had read a book when I was a child, maybe junior high, about someone who was lost on a mountain in Maine. And he ministered that information, how he, you know, by prayer and Boy Scout training, how he was able to survive like nine days in the wilderness. And uh, he continued to share this until he was 89. So that was an encouragement to me you know, to, to not give up. It seems that what you're doing is you are sowing unto the Spirit. So just keep sowing. There's a law in sowing. You will, you will reap. Um, no one, once one becomes a grandpa, you're never too old to be a grandpa, right? We don't have any kids. Yeah. But spiritually speaking, and so there was a period of time when <clears throat> some might regard me as like a spiritual dad. But I was in one meeting and brother said, Grandpa Ron, okay? <laughs> dad, Grandpa, it doesn't matter. Because we're not doing a work. We're just letting life flow. Right? No one should have the sense we're working on them. They're not a project. Right. We just care for them. I know a brother, he's probably about 57 now. I worked with him decades ago in children's meeting. He still prays for the men now that were boys in his children's meeting. Mm. That is precious. They're in his heart. Amen. Okay. Where do we go? It's your meeting. Yes. Um, well, you know, Terry and I have been really 
Covey for a number of years, and I don't remember ever, and we've moved a number of times, but I don't remember ever moving with a clear burden to move. It's always been, this is a thing at hand. You have to do it. Like in 74, when we left Detroit, we had to leave. When we left Boston, we had to leave for Ohio because of a job. Um, and then recently, 10 years ago, when we lived in Elyria, we had to move, I mean, when we lived in Akron for a number of years, we had to move to Elyria. We had to because we wanted to be under the ministry. So it was always a matter of just doing the thing at hand. That's how we always just followed the Lord. We followed whatever, you know, we took the fellowship from the body and then we did the thing at hand. Now we're at the point in our life where to do the thing at hand is just to stay at home. <laughs> and because, you know, of our age, at what point do we, we say we can't do the thing at hand, we have to break beyond our limitations and you know, there, within me, there's something that just wants to be involved in this move to Germany and this move to Europe. I mean, I want to go, but there's limitations here now. Um, how do we know whether to just to give into our limitations or to seek the Lord for his, for the burden, maybe to do something beyond our limitations? Well, how do we fight beyond our limitations? Mm. Uh, the Lord's leading, uh, personally and corporately, involves <clears throat> three elements that interact but cannot be systematized. One is the leading of the spirit within. The sense of life or the burden or the anointing, however you describe it. <coughs> The second is genuine fellowship in the body. And I emphasize genuine because I mean fellowship in which life is flowing and that represents the feeling of the body and not mere human opinion and concept. And the third is the environment, which could be outward, with the job, with the economy, it could be more inward with your health. There is absolutely nothing wrong with living to the Lord and living the church life in the things at hand, as long as it's not a passive, just kind of surrendering to that. You're not just like, you're inert. You're unable to respond. Uh, you're just there. You're, you're set. You're settled. That's very different from being where you are. There's a faithful brother I know who came into the recovery, left his seminary, came with his wife in 1971. He's never moved out of his present locality. There was never the leading to. Now, he couldn't move if he was heavily burdened. The main thing is, it's determined inwardly. What is your inward realization? 
that not that many can go to Germany, not that many should go to Germany, but if we're living in the body, we'll have feeling about this. We'll have concern about this. And that is as much being a part of it as actually going there. So when you mentioned, Phyllis, the thing at hand, you mentioned you did that in fellowship. It was quite clear. This was how the Lord had led you through the environment. That's okay. You don't need even for the rest of your life to experience a crushing burden that drives you to Patagonia. Or you just have to go there even though you can't really walk a quarter mile anymore. Okay, things like that. We don't need to have special experiences. As long as the inner senses, I have life and peace. I am one with the Lord. I am active in my spirit. Then just don't worry about whether you're doing the things at hand. This is the Lord's arrangement. As long as you have the sense, this is the Lord's arrangement. This is where I should be. Then when you are in the spirit and in the body in that situation, you are just as much in the Lord's move as someone who applies to graduate school and goes to Tübingen to be there, a brother whose job allows him to work remotely so he moves to Stuttgart, mm. or someone who goes to serve full-time, someone like Tom Getz, who's uprooted from Irvine to go there. Mm. Outwardly, it's very different, but intrinsically, mm. it's the same. Brother Lee never went to Russia. But wow, did Brother Lee ever go to Russia, okay? So just be at peace. If you're contacting the Lord and he's not content, he will unsettle you in a certain positive way. And he will put something in you that will just goad you to inquire of him, what do you want to do? Long as you're at peace and you're not passive. Passivity equals death. We don't want the passivity of death. We want the calm of the triune God of peace. Okay. Well, let's let it flow out and we'll find out. Okay. Um, just in listening to your sharing this morning, and I felt like you're experiencing something that I want to experience, but I don't think I'm anywhere near there yet. So I just want to know if you could say something more practical about how to enter into this kind of experience. I mean, is it enough for me just to really open to the Lord day by day? And, and how this goes together with what you said at the beginning of this time about not having a formal, predictable, routine relationship with the Lord. Okay. Uh, no, no, it's not simply a matter of being open, although that's indispensable, okay? A number of elements need to gradually come together in your being. Uh, one is the realization that <clears throat> what the Lord needs is vessels open to him. 
so we can come to him just as we are and open to him. That's a crucial requirement. But if you recall, the outline ends with a point. We really need a vision of this. We need to pray about this, to be in the word, not work at it, but to realize we ourselves need to see this. It cannot remain a borrowed vision, a secondhand vision. But we need to see this. I want to be able to say, we see Jesus. Amen. I see Jesus. Amen. I want to know what it is to look away unto him. And so we need more vision. We, we, sh we cannot just leap directly into experience. The sequence of the prayers in Ephesians makes this clear. The first prayer is a prayer for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the full knowledge of him. When Paul heard that dear ones in Colossae had gotten saved, he said, since the day we heard it, we did not cease praying for you that you would be filled with the full knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He prayed that they would know God's will, they would see it. Then also, if this is really to happen to us, two other things need to take place in us, which with very, very rare exceptions, like Brother Nee, he was ministering on the body in 1939. He was only 37. That is a rare thing. These two matters can only start a middle, early middle age on. We need to be, to experience the dividing of soul and spirit, along with the breaking of the outer man, which issues in a dealing, a subduing, with the elements of our inner being that interfere with this experience, right? That interfere. The transmission is real and we can be open, which is, which is an attitude. But if there are, who knows what it is in our being that is occupying us and hindering us, that has to actually be touched by the cross and with the spirit and with resurrection life operating together. If it's concept, if it's something of the self, if it's independence, if it's individualism, if it's something dispositional, if it's something in our temperament, all of these things hinder our ability to respond. The Lord knows our entire being. And so to really live in this, we're talking about really living in the Holy of Holies, but living in the divine and mystical realm. Then the Lord has to actually be given 
the opportunity to touch any part of our being that he needs to touch so that all of our faculties, instead of hindering, will cooperate. Then, along with this, I'm, I'm going to give you a full response as I can, even though I don't want it to be overwhelming, but it has to be faithful to you. This is a body matter. Amen. Some of you might have heard me tell this story. I became fascinated with that book in 1966, The Breaking of the Outer Man. I don't know why. It was just a kind of inclination in my natural being, you know. And I had no idea what it was. So in the spring of 1970, I had the opportunity to ask Brother Lee, what does it mean to experience the breaking of the outer man? I thought, at last, I get my answer. <laughs> and wow, did I get an answer. He said, brother, spirituality is a body matter. So the, the experience that we're talking about is experienced by those who are now living in the spirituality of the body. They are experiencing this with the body, in the body, and for the body. But not pursuing something because they're motivated with the desire to be kind of extra or super spiritual. So that question stopped me. I stopped asking about what it means to be broken in the outer man. I, I'm, I so th much thank the Lord for that answer, but it begot a seeking in me. And so when we pray to be brought into the reality of the experiences we're describing, we may honestly and sincerely think, well, I guess I'll just start having experiences. And I'll just experience shepherding as never before and his ministry as never before and Melchizedek as never before. And that may start to happen, but the Lord will do other things that seem unrelated to your prayer. So you pray for these experiences and the Lord starts dividing your soul from your spirit and dealing with your outer man. And you ask him, what are you doing? And he may say, well, I'm answering your prayer. I thought you asked me. And so there's a lot going on. But on our part, even though there are all these aspects, it should be simple. I, I can tell you, my relationship with the Lord is simple. Mm. And even there's someone I live with who tells me, Ron, you're simple. You're simple. Mm -hmm. I just come to the Lord as I am, based on his redemption. If there's anything going on in me, I bring it to him. Otherwise, I come to him in the word with this prayer, whatever's 
and your heart. Mm. Whatever you want to do, whatever is your will, you do that and do it for your body. So you just pray, just say, Lord, make all these matters real to me. Don't analyze your prayer. Lord, make this transmission real to me. May every, make every aspect of your heavenly ministry real to me. Lord, make real to me living in two realms simultaneously. You just pursue him. Maybe pray, read the verses, read the notes again. But the Lord will hear and honor that prayer. But as I just said, he's aware that the answer of the prayer may involve much more than we expect. And so we pray for one thing and we experience something seemingly unrelated. But eventually if we inquire of him, we'll have the sense this is part of the answer, okay? Let's just say there's a brother, maybe he's young, mm. 25, mm. but he just knows in his spirit. Mm. The Lord is calling him to participate in the new covenant ministry. Mm. So he prays, Lord, I sense this calling, I give myself to you just to Lord, fulfill this longing that you've put in me. Well, he's not going to start ministering life tomorrow morning. All kinds of things will happen. But eventually he'll realize every detail, every matter is working to this end. So that's a full response. I hope it's, there's some light there. But I had to tell you, there's a lot involved. I think you sense there's more involved. And I've had some degree of experience of that. So we need to realize that. But it shouldn't complicate our prayer like, Lord, now, now I'm coming to you with a list of things, my temperament, my disposition, my peculiarity, my independence, my individualism. Oh, I need to know the body and this and that. And I, I need, by the way, I need the dividing of soul and spirit and the breaking up. The Lord would say, just stop and just sing a song to me and tell me you love me. Call, O oh Lord Jesus, and pray, read the word. Okay? Be simple. Let me tell you, if I can be simple, anyone on earth can be simple. <laughs> okay, where do we go now? Don't be shy. I have a question about prayer meeting. Okay. When I came into the church, the prayer meeting was mostly pray reading, and um, it was glorious. I remember we were praying for Ghana, and we just pray read, you know, verses from Isaiah, and I didn't even know where Ghana was probably, but it was glorious, and I feel like we've kind of moved away from that. We've moved away from prayer reading, and now we have a very long prayer list. And it's kind of difficult. I find it difficult to, uh, I don't know, pray item after item and not have that much supply in order to, to pray, the, pray the burdens back to the Lord. And I guess I'm longing for something 
some kind of recovery of enjoying the Lord in the prayer meeting. Mm. This is a very uh, beneficial matter for us to consider. And I believe concerns like this from various angles, they're quite widespread. So as I begin to respond, I'm not going to touch first, should we pray read more or less? Should there be a prayer list? How can I say you should or shouldn't do? We have to, and I like to do this in my own pursuit of the truth. I like to go back to the beginning and ask, what is prayer? What are we doing? What does God consider prayer? And of course, the answer, it's in the word, but we need the ministry to open it up. Prayer is God flowing into us and through us and out from us to accomplish what he wills. And so I'm talking about, we're talking about the prayer meeting of the church. So the prayer in the prayer meeting of the church is not going to be our personal prayer of petition. In our life with the Lord, we can ask him anything. Paul said, make your request known to God. Don't be anxious. If you're worried that your daughter isn't married, tell the Lord you're worried your daughter isn't married. Whatever. You just make your, this is the prayer of fellowship. But we're talking about the prayer meeting of the church. So this is really the prayer ministry of the church. This is not a meeting for everyone to offer up personal petitions. This is a meeting for the church represented by those gathered there to correspond with Christ's heavenly ministry. So this is what we all need to learn, that prayer does not originate with us. It originates with the Lord on the throne, who then makes known to us his feeling, his need, and his burden. That's made known through the intuition and fellowship in our spirit. Then we respond and express that as our prayer. One verse that makes this clear is John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you want or will, and it will be done for you. Well, some may say, wow, good. I want a yacht. Well, if you abide in the Lord and his words abide in you, you'll have no feeling about a yacht. (laughs) But through this mutual abiding, the Lord will impart to some in the meeting a feeling to pray. Then that feeling becomes yours. And you make that your prayer. Okay, let's try to illustrate. Let's say the Lord wants to open Cuba for the blending of all the churches and the saints. 
And maybe, maybe that's why the Lord used the previous administration to change that, forgetting our politics. Maybe the Lord wants to have an elders training in 2024 in Havana, Cuba. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so, let's, so we are before the Lord and we sense the Lord wants to open Cuba, not politically, not economically, mm. but for the blending. And so then that becomes what we pray. It's, it's what we want. So we express it. Then the Lord fulfills what he wants by fulfilling what we want, which in our prayer is the expression of what he wants. He, this is prayer. And this is how the church prayer meeting should proceed. Whether the brother or someone says, for this meeting, let's pray some verses in Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Then that's an indicator. The Lord is going to lead us to pray through this prayer reading. We're not pray reading aimlessly. And that word becomes the light. And then we pray, Lord, cause the light to shine in North Korea. Send a blazing light to North Korea. Amen. Break through the darkness. Penetrate the right. darkness. Or maybe one of the leading brothers at a certain point would stand up and say, make us aware of a situation. Okay. Who's the leading one? Then we simply respect the leading one. We believe that what he has to pass on to us is conveying the Lord's feeling, so we pick it up. Now, I do know of a sister's prayer reading somewhere on the earth. I don't want to tell you where. I won't give you a hint. And there's tension in the sister's prayer meeting. Okay? And these are all middle-aged and post-middle-aged sisters. And so there's some, by their disposition, they are prayerless prayers. The only way they know how to pray is to go item by item down the list. Mm. So you come to an item, then you've got to formulate something to pray. Yeah. And then the others are, they respond to the heavenly ministry prayers. <laughs> they don't discard the prayer list, but they just can't do it. And then eventually, <clears throat> you know, probably it would be helpful to have a, perfecting, a local perfecting. But the saints would have to be willing because then you have a practice prayer meeting. Then you have a troublesome brother stand up and say, sisters, none of those were prayers. You prayed prayers that are not prayer. So when would you like to find out that your prayers are not prayers? 50 years from now, or at the judgment seat of Christ, or would you like to find out now that though you have a good heart, you're not praying prayers. You're giving messages to God. You're expressing your feeling. But to come back to the essence of it, what should be taking place in the church prayer meeting is that we all come together, gathered into the Lord's name, we lay aside all personal concerns, all subjective views about anything. 
And we say, Lord, we are here to join you in your ministry of prayer. We recognize you as the source of prayer. Please make known to us. Okay, I was in a meeting of the church in Anaheim. And I have to, you know, I'm not going to hide the fact that I, I did something in that meeting. I'll tell you. And three sisters in particular, as usual, were extremely active. Like in an hour prayer meeting, one of them might pray 30 times, 40 times. And they're setting each other going. And other saints are bothered by this. And these sisters are strong and they're intent and they have a good heart. And then eventually I had to point, I had to share something. So I stood up, which is unusual. Mm. And then I said, brothers and sisters, I believe the Lord wants to change the direction of our prayer. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what it is. But we all need to be quiet before the Lord. Mm. Let's just be quiet before the Lord and wait on the Lord. So everyone, especially the three, they were temporarily quiet. And we were all quiet, but exercised. In about 30 seconds, the spirit moved through a sister, 50 plus, And she began to pray for Boston. And that began a season a powerful mm. intercessory prayer. Mm. This is before Boston was opened up, mm. before the frustration of decades was removed. Right. The Lord wanted to recover Boston. Amen. But suppose that meeting just went on and on. Those with, with the sense would leave with a sense of sadness and defeat. We didn't accomplish anything. We gathered together with too much natural activity and then too much passivity. These two things kill the prayer. But I'm very encouraged with the English language prayer meeting in Anaheim. And we're learning, but we come together and it's a good sized meeting still. And, and the kind of prayer is, Lord, we're open to you. How are you praying? Infuse your burden into us. And the Lord prayed, let us in this way and that way. A couple of weeks ago, there was just powerful prayer about the world situation. Powerful prayer. And so, sister, you're on to something. But the intrinsic answer is not prayer reading in and of itself or abolishing prayer lists or promoting them in and of itself is that whatever we are doing in the prayer meeting is our cooperation with the heavenly ministry of Christ and it's opening the way for us to receive his burden and to express it as prayer. This is the prayer ministry of the church. Now, when you are by yourself and you are in the prayer ministry of the church, because you're a member of the body, even though you're physically alone, you're not organically alone. 
or you're with a partner or your spouse or a home meeting. If it's the prayer ministry of the church, it's the same thing. But Paul mentions by means of all prayer. But don't think now that in your life with the Lord, you can't just pray what's in your heart. Oh, Lord, I better not say anything to you unless I'm sure that you want me to say it. Then, then you may not say something for the next seven years because you don't want to dare say something. The Lord wants you to come and just ask what you want. So let's say a little child, four years old. Let's say I'm still a, I'm a dad, have a four-year-old daughter. And she comes and she says, Daddy, will you get me a pony? Will you get me a pony? Do I say to her, why do you ask for a pony? Why don't you care about the desire of your father's heart? Why don't you want to enter into my view and ask uh, according to what, uh, what I want to do? I am so happy that she can come and ask for a pony. But then I have to tell her, we live in a big city. And we can't have a pony in our yard. How about a little hamster? Yes, a hamster. Okay, it's like this. In our personal prayer, let's bring everything to him. Paul said, make your request known. Then let him decide whether it's something he wants to do or not. Okay? Sister, does that give you some encouragement? Okay. I'm glad you brought it up. Okay? Oh, we st we've got 26 minutes yet. Yes, my brother. So every time I go to a, a training in California, you know, uh, so I get stirred up by, like, you know, the move to Europe, you know, so I... Praise the Lord, I left the training in, in 2015, 16, whatever. And, uh, and I really wanted to go serve in Europe, the Lord, you know. But then, then the thing is, is we want to do something for the Lord. But in the process, instead of going to Europe to speak the gospel, he sent me to Arizona to be with my parents, which was really dear because, you know, um, so anyway, so I just... Being led by the Spirit is pretty much all I'm just saying is, you know, that uh, it's amazing that when we want to do something for him, he sends us someplace else. Yeah. Because it's an insult to him for when we want to do something for him. So I just wanted to, you know, share that. Yeah. And that makes me think of Brother Ed gave a very important message as message five of the special conference. Mm -hmm. And I know that there was a very weighty burden in him regarding this. And he prepared a masterful outline from the word and from the ministry sources. We are not in a movement. You know, a movement is an activity motivated by human energy to accomplish a certain goal without personal contact with the Lord. And we have seen, those of us that have been here for a while, we have seen a life full of movements. In 1978, it was the burning bush movement. 
under MR. Well, he's with the Lord now, Max Rappaport. And his followers got these special made t-shirts, burning bush. In one meeting, he stood up, he said, the fire, the fire's going out. And we lost dozens of young lives over that. And so the enemy is subtle and when the Lord wants to move, we're not afraid to be stirred up, to be burning in spirit. But he just comes in to complicate things, either to make it a movement or to put thoughts in us that if we're not doing this, then we're not following the Lord and we're not where we should be. Mm. I'm just so glad you could have a response to that move and then simply follow the Lord to be with your parents mm. and live to the Lord with them that is where the Lord wants you to be. You are as much in the Lord's move as a brother who just moved to Stuttgart. And, and I, <clears throat> there was a situation in the training a year and a half ago when the refugee matter was coming up. And the brothers, many brothers were seriously considering what is our response? And somehow something was shared with the trainees and, and they were in a super movement. And I, I detected this right away. So some of them, you know, some sisters were saying, we're going to go to Europe and be martyred and get a white robe. So I felt, I checked with Brother Dennis. I said, I have the burden to share with them in class on the difference between the move of the Lord and a movement. And I said, you, you, you're in a movement, you're going to go to Europe and be martyred so you can get a robe. Sister, you experience a little owie here in the training and you can't take it. How are you going to go there and get martyred? Okay. And so they all had to be calmed down. And so as long as I have breath, I feel it's part of my responsibility to watch over the situation with others. And there's not going to be another movement. But we're not afraid to move. But very few are going to actually go to Germany. But if we're in the body, we should be one with the Lord's move wherever it is. Although we ourselves may never physically be there. We're for that move because we're for the Lord's recovery. So thanks, brother, for sharing that. The humanity of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now what? Well, two years ago, I moved to State College from a locality where almost all the saints were middle-aged and older. And now I'm with a group of young, oh, sorry. Now I'm with a group of students who are maybe 40, 50 years younger than I am. But I'm so happy to be there. My question is, um, you spoke last night about sh not sharing your life experiences, but ministering life. And uh, I wanted to know if I share my experiences from the past, is that uh, not a proper way to care for them? And uh, the other part of that is how to help the young ones to touch their spirit. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> what I had in mind last night is when we're in the church meeting, what will benefit the church 
is that you minister the Christ and the life you have experienced. Not that you tell a sea story, okay? But in shepherding people, mm. it can be exceedingly helpful mm. to share your life experience with them. It's very helpful. You, you're not just telling a story for no end. You have the sense to share this part of your life and they realize this is real. I mean, this really happens. This happened to her. If it happened to her, it can happen to me. So it's so glad you're with the young. The young, they're young, they want to be with their peers, but they really appreciate spiritual parents and they need parents. So continue sharing your stories and minister to them along with baking chocolate chip cookies. The combination is irresistible. Now, now what was the second part of the question to help them? Okay. Well, it depends on how much ground you have with them, but they actually need a form of coaching, of coaching. And so if, if they are not exercising, then you kind of demonstrate a little bit. This is how you exercise your spirit. You don't have to make a lot of noise. You're just, you're, your will is the crucial factor in exercising the spirit. You don't wait for an emotional high. So you just choose to exercise your spirit. And if you want to help them, you just, everybody prays and you just say, okay, a little deeper, just a little louder. Something like this is a life practice. See, so you probably need to coach them, right? You just coach them. And they, they know you're doing this out of love. You're not imposing something on them. That um, look at the, we're here this afternoon, largely because of Sister Barber training watchman knee. Well, none of us is going to be as strict as she was, but I'm glad she was strict with him. Mm. And so, sister, just keep what you're doing. It's so sovereign that you're there to be a spiritual mom, and they're going to come to you more and more. And when you mention about sharing your life experience, there's a verse at the end of Matthew 13 that's quite helpful. And I'll apply it here. The verse, the Lord says, the kingdom of the heavens is like a scribe right. discipled into the kingdom of the heavens who brings out of his treasury things new and old. So the treasury is really the heart. And you're trained to live in the kingdom. So you may bring something brand new out of your treasury that you just experienced the other day. On the other hand, you have to realize you should bring something old, something that goes back many, many years. Mm -hmm. But now you have the leading to bring it out and it's so fresh and enlightening and supplying. That's very different from telling sea stories 
in a meeting right. that have no objective. Right. Okay? So now I think you're free to keep sharing your life stories with the young. That cherishes them. Uh, as I was listening to the sharing, I just <clears throat> was touched by my experience personally coming from the Philippines as a graduate student and moving to South Carolina for my graduate studies. And there I uh, can remember that the most impactful influence in my life in, in the church. And I believe it's also a big factor of why I'm still <clears throat> pursuing the Lord today in the recovery is because of, um, I'm sorry, I could not contain myself at the moment because <clears throat> there are two elderly sisters. I was in South Carolina then. Um, they don't speak much in the meetings, but sometimes I would not go to um, meetings because I was busy as a graduate student. But I never felt any condemnation from them. But they would visit me in my little place, and they would bring me uh, simple cooked food. And uh, there, uh, in my experience, looking back, I believe that... <clears throat> That's probably the most impactful um, or most eloquent message of the Lord's uh, humanity that really touched me and continued to inspire me and, and see the reality of Christ in the church. It's because of these simple elderly saints who would not ceaselessly come to my place and ask, Salvador, are you hungry? Do you have food? Do you have, you know, it's a very practical things. And it just melted my heart through those years that um, <clears throat> it really remained in me this whole time. And so we should not, um, we should not take lightly the simple acts of the dear elderly saints to just be there and uh, find, you know, starving students or, or, or seeking ones that do not necessarily want to hear high gospel, but rather just come into their, in their simple humanity and minister to the basic need of uh, someone who is seeking the Lord, but at the same time has so many challenges, especially, for example, me when I first came in trying to adapt to a new situation. So the, I think the point being that this is just a reiteration of what our brother Ron has said about you know, just experiencing the humanity of Christ. And I believe that the, the elders among us, and this is something that I really cherish in the recovery, is I see so much of this heart every time, wherever I go. And I think that this should be, and it has become to me now a pattern that I hope that I grow old now. Mm. My hairs are turning white now too, that I should also try to mm. follow the pattern that uh, these loving sisters have uh, mm -hmm have shown me in the recovery. One thing that's in my heart for middle-aged and older brothers is that you <clears throat> have a deep realization that whether you are making a real contribution mm. to the church life doesn't hinge 
and being a leading one. If you're never an elder, that doesn't mean I'm a failure. So I'm just here. I'm, all, I'm always on the bench. That our being needs to be just free from this. That the meaning of our Christian life is to function as a member of the body. When I travel, I'm in a certain kind of function. In Anaheim, I'm not an elder in Anaheim. I'm just a brother there. Everyone who's an elder is younger than I. Some of them are a lot younger than I. I don't have any feeling that, oh, I missed something because I'm not a leading brother. Our aspiration should be that we, we cannot know what member we are. Okay? If you're on a journey to figure that out, you'll realize you can't. You just need to be it. My eye doesn't have an eye conscious, like saying, I'm an eye. I'm a blue eye. A bloodshot blue eye, but I'm, I'm an No, we're just in the body. And the most precious thing we can do is care for one another. This is the body building itself up in love. Okay, we got 10 minutes, huh? Yeah, at more than one. We need the mic. This is a question about caring for other people. Um, you know, and I don't have this, I don't know what I'd call it, conflict when I have an experience with someone who's not saved and it seems like I feel very good about bringing him to home meetings, to church meetings right away. Uh, but when we contact the Lord's children, um, it seems like in the ministry there's this view to feed the Lord's hungry children without motive. But on the other hand, I think we're all full of desire to build the church. And is there a way to balance that out? I don't know, you know. Is yeah. there a way to balance yeah. that out? Uh, there, and keep there, your motive pure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brother Lee gave us, this is a word to co-workers, but mm. by extension, it will be a help to all of us. Yeah. He said, do not make the church an issue. Anyone who makes the church an issue is not our co-worker. Leave the church matter to them. And so what this means to me is these are believers and more likely than not, they're meeting elsewhere. Now in our heart, we long and we should long that they would see the truth concerning the church, the oneness of the body. They would see the nature of divisions that they're in a fold, they're under the clergy laity system. We should long for them to see this. But we do not proselytize. We do not 
by our effort, try to lead people or persuade people to leave where they are to come where we are. Just as none of us would have any peace at all if someone came from the such and such Church of Christ into our midst and try to convince us that we're a sect. It's just as unfitting, it's unbecoming. However, depending on the degree of openness, we don't hold anything back. We don't hide where we are and what we are. But our conscience should be pure in that I'm here, I love you as a brother, we share the same life. I'm willing to receive from you and I'd like to present the truth. Of course, in my heart, I wish you would just follow the shepherd. But it's the shepherd that's the door that brings people out of the fold. It's the shepherd who brings them to the flock. Now we may pray with our companions and pray with our small group and present the burden to the Lord and ask the Lord to do it. And I am sorry to add this element, but I have to do this with my own daughter and sons, let alone with anyone else. I have to say, Lord, I can't overstep I do not know whom you are calling, who is chosen, what your will is. I can only express what's in my heart, but I have to let you be the sovereign Lord over this. And I believe if we have the heart for them to be here, yet we don't make an issue of it. We minister life and truth. If they ask something, we answer. But even when we answer, they ask something about the truth, we answer in a wise way according to the flow. We don't say, at last, I can send forth an avalanche of truth. We just walk in the light because there's, we should just be reminded. Um, we entered through the, the narrow gate. We're on a constricted way. And only those who see the vision and are willing to pay the price can take this way. That's one re another reason why we would leave to the Lord the actual working of it, of it out. But we minister life. We minister truth. But we minister life with this realization. If we help this one really touch Christ as life. The nature of that life is to flock together. And the more they touch that life, the more they will have the desire to flock together. Amen. And when they ask, so we may have a sense, just in purity, there's a special gathering we're going to have. We're going to have a conference or we're going to have a special gathering. You might want to come and just pursue the Lord with us. We don't have to hold back from inviting them. We're not proselytizing. We just have the sense, would you like to come? Would you like to come to a meeting in our home? 
There will be about 15 saints there. We just have a meeting. We'll have a meal together. And we're going to be in the word together. Would you like that? But we have no motive of trying to proselytize them. But yet we are cooperating with the Lord in the shepherding of them. Does that help? That's very good. Yeah. It really matches. Yeah. Amen. One more. You are the omega uh, it's, sister. It's uh, good that from that question, you know, there's how about when some saints that were meeting with us and they got offended for some reason, they stop meeting and they start meeting in their own home. How do you shepherd these saints that were meeting with us? Okay. <clears throat> do they want to be shepherded? I call the sisters, but no answer. Okay. Uh, we, again, we have, to, we have to be exercised not to do anything by our natural affection, by our natural life, but to be one with the Lord. Our heart should be that they're recovered. Now, if someone has been offended, okay, and that's why they're not here, the help they need is this. Now, whether we can administer, that's another matter. All the believers need to realize, if you are offended and don't forgive someone, God's forgiveness of you stops right here. It stops. You will not be forgiven. This is the Lord's word. So we should be concerned for them, for their spiritual well-being. Look at whether you come back and meet with us. That, that's not my concern. My concern is you. If you've been offended and or you have been hurt, then you need one or two things. If you've been offended, you need to see the Lord requires you to forgive. This is a law in the kingdom. We have to forgive without limit, without limit. And you need to receive the grace to forgive. But a number of times, there really may not be an offense. Someone has been hurt. And we can hurt each other. We bump into each other. We can hurt each other. And if she can admit that she's been hurt, then help her to realize, okay, now the Lord would like to come to you like that Samaritan and pour oil and wine into the wound and heal you. This is what they need. They don't need just to come back. The two main reasons Brother Lee points out to us that people leave the church life is unforgiven offenses and unfulfilled ambition. And my heart aches for those who will not forgive an offense because we know according to the truth it will cost them the kingdom. And we don't want to see that happen. So maybe one way to pray for these ones is Lord have mercy on them that if they've been offended they will forgive. If they have been hurt, they will be healed. Pour the spirit and life into the wound. 
and then see what happens to them once they're recovered. So that should be what's in our heart. It's not just an outward matter of bringing someone back. They're back, they're offended, they're wounded, and they're just primed for another offense and another thing. That the only way to live the church life our whole life is to live a life of forgiveness and to experience the Lord's word as the sword killing every negative thing in us and as the water washing us. So we're just, we can come to the Lord's table tomorrow and testify, as far as it depends on me, I'm at peace with everyone. I break this bread in peace. So now we will depart in peace. But let's offer some number, several short prayers, okay? Amen. Just to end the meeting. Amen. You see how this kind of meeting, once we get going, it could go on for hours. We could have you ticky in meeting until people are falling from the third level on the floor. But we only have 90 minutes. So have some prayers and then we'll go.